You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning, West Side Church. Man, it is good. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be home, just like Tino. Tino and Martino. Uh, in the house, uh, back again. We're so grateful uh, to be here. Appreciate the Bob Marley quote, bro. Uh, uh, my sons, uh, this month of April, uh, our oldest one, Ezra, turns five years old. And our little one, Noah Marley, that's his name, um, he just turned three years old. And so, yes, I look tired. I am. Uh, but uh, it's been... It's been great. Uh, we have now been part of El Mensaje uh, since uh, last July. I believe this is my first time back from our transition. Uh, it doesn't feel like the first time because we think about you a lot. We talk about you a lot in good ways. Uh, those days are over with good ways. Uh, and so it's been, uh, it's been encouraging uh, just to know that uh, we have a sister church right near us. And so we're looking forward to... Uh, in the next few years, having more connections, uh, the English ministry and the Spanish uh, ministry. Amen? El mensaje does mean the message, and we called it that because we just felt it just sort of explains in one word why the Spanish ministry exists. That we don't exist because of culture or race, though those are great benefits at times that bond us together. But the, the Spanish ministry exists separately from the English ministry because of language. Uh, because people need to hear the message, and so we are El Mensaje. And so our, our mission there is to connect, to change, and to grow. And that applies to every member, and that applies to anyone that comes through our doors uh, and wants to seek God with all of, all of their heart. Uh, amen? Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, I do want to share some good news. Yesterday, uh, our women had their first... Uh, Women's Day uh, for El Mensaje, El Día de la Mujer. The, the theme was Legacy. Uh, Legado, Laura Garcia uh, from the Lighthouse Church came and she was the guest speaker there. It was so encouraging. Uh, the El Mensaje ministry, we are 51 members. Uh, I am one of 18 men in that church. And so we're still in a room without a few. Hint, hint. Uh, but uh, the women, uh, we have about 30 plus women there that are, are, are members and uh, just appreciate their heart, their joy, their faith. Uh, they had about 70 visitors uh, to our Women's Day. And so it was a full room, a hundred some women there uh, worshiping God, getting to know each other, but more importantly, getting to know, getting to know God. And so it was such a great, a great victory. Uh, amen. So we are in this theme, we are also doing this theme in the Spanish ministry, but we call it Jesus 2016, uh, Jesus 2016, and so today's uh, lesson is cabinet choices, uh, and so I believe last week uh, Chaz preached the word, uh, is that correct? Yes, why Jesus gets my vote, and uh, today is cabinet choices, and next week is uh, executive orders. And uh, obviously, whether you want to or not, we're all caught up uh, right now in, in just uh, the race for the presidency. And uh, whether you are involved in what's happening or not, none of us can help but have our own opinions and our own thoughts and, 
And why? Because there's great things uh, that we are all hoping for. Uh, amen? And so I believe really that all people, at the end of the day, they want to do what's right. We just sometimes don't. But we want to do what is right. And I think for the church, uh, not just what's happening in our country, uh, but what's happening all around the world, I think it's a calling. I think it's a, it's a wake-up call to the Christians that remember who the answer is. Remember who the solution is. Remember who is the Redeemer. It doesn't mean we can't have different opinions or, or make different decisions, but let's not forget that at the end of the day, there is one Savior. And I think uh, as people are seeking and wanting change, maturity, growth, a better life for others and each other and all those different things, I think it's a great opportunity uh, to, for the Christians to display our heart and our faith even more and more. Amen? The Bible is still one of the most quoted books in the world, but at the same time, one of the least read. That's still a fact that the majority of people are learning about the Bible based on quotes from other people. And sometimes it happens even in the church. So let's open our Bibles today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Cabinet choices. Whoever becomes a president has to make this decision, right? Who do they want in their cabinet? Uh, and I believe once they made those, that selection, uh, I believe it goes into Congress, or uh, I'm not actually quite sure, but someone needs to approve it outside of the president whether they are good candidates to be part of the cabinet or not. And so when you put up, think about Jesus, the, the, the team that he assembled, you know, uh, it's quite interesting when you look at those 12 uh, and who they were before their calling. Uh, and so the question today is, who can be chosen? I know some of us have so many strong opinions, you would be good for the, for the cabinet right there because... You have a lot of insight. Uh, and so, but when it comes to following Jesus, what's the answer? Who can be chosen? You ever feel like God didn't choose you for something? Does anyone like the feeling of not being chosen? And so imagine if you're the team captain, you ever, you know, you had, all right, let's make team captains. This is how brothers solve problems. Let's make team captains. All right, you go this way, you go that way, you go that way. Let's shoot for it. You know, and then you find out the teams are very uneven. All right, let's shoot for it again. We're going to crush you guys. Uh, but, you know, if you want someone on your team, you're starting a business. Who, what kind of person? What type of personality? What qualities are you looking for? as you're starting that business. If you were to be called to start a church somewhere, who would you call to come to that church with you? Those that speak Spanish? Yes. But what qualities, what, what faith, what maturity, what skills, what experience would you want in that? If you have some kind of academic project, as you're getting your master's or you're just in college or you're just in high school or what kind of people do you like to have <laughs> in your group? What kind of people you don't like to have uh, in your group? And so we all aim to pick people that are going to help us accomplish our goals. 
Are you with me? So who would Jesus pick to accomplish his goal? What's his goal? To seek and save the lost. What's his goal? To save the world from sin and to redeem them, to call them, to have fellowship with them so they can make an impact in this world and be with him for eternity. So let's check this out. Let's look at who, Pete, who Jesus wants to be part of his team. And let's see if you, your selection and who you would select if you and Jesus have some things in common. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who can be chosen? Who does Jesus want on his team? Those that are weary and burdened. Do you like to be around people that are weary and that are burdened? Like, you're a Christian, so you're probably like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's self-denial. I'm just carrying my cross. I'll hug that brother. I'll text him. Jesus is saying, here's who I want on my team. Whoever's weary and whoever's burdened, I want them. Is that who you would pick to start your business? Is that who you would want for the second phase of your business? Is that who you would want for your team, for your sports franchise, you know? Who, who should the Lakers pick? Whoever's weary and whoever's burdened, bring them on. We're just replacing Kobe. That's not what we're going to do, right? Hopefully not. And so, you know, obviously some of us are like, we're already looking at the draft for the NFL, right? Oh, this guy's disqualified. You know, he's got some character issues. This guy was telling... We, we're, we're always looking for the best. Why? Because we look at the outside. Jesus looks for the weaknesses inside. And he says, I want those that are weak inside that they're weary, that they're burdened, that they have no vision for themselves. They're always discouraged. I want those guys in my team. In fact, if you read in context, he's thanking God the Father that he is giving this people to him. What do you say to God when you get the people that are burdened and weary in your small group Bible talk, at work, at school, project, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. <laughs> it's to your glory. It's to your glory. You just talk yourself into loving that situation. Jesus was praising God. So who can be chosen? Man, it's not about who we would choose, right? Look who God wants to choose. Let's look in Luke chapter 5. And let's look at one specific person here that was called to follow God. Amen? As you're turning to Luke chapter 5, I'm going to say a prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you notice our weaknesses. Father, that you see are the burden that is going on in our hearts, in our lives. Sometimes, God, it just comes from 
our upbringing or it's coming from our loved ones, but it's hurting us inside. And we're grateful that you notice and that you want to choose us because of those weaknesses. I pray that we would understand how precious it is to be called by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter chapter 5. We're going to start here in verse 27. Amen? We're not going to quote it. We're going to read it. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in, at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. <laughs> then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others, quote-unquote right there, were eating with him. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and, quote-unquote, sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call, I have not come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Repentance. Who can be chosen? Sinners. Most of us qualify. And so Jesus, as he's building his team, he chooses a tax collector. And so if you've been around the, the Bible a lot of church, you, you know what this means, right? You know what these people do and who, who they are. So I'm going to refresh our memory here a little bit. He, chose, he chooses a tax collector. This is a Jewish man working for the oppressors, the Romans. He takes taxes from his people, from his community, collects them, and gives them to the Roman who had basically invaded and kind of took over and kind of let every, every, every nation they, they conquered, they kind of let them do their own thing, but they were present. They knew how to manage situations. And so they set up tax collectors and this is very wise for the Romans, right? Who do they choose? Who do they persuade? Who do they hire? Their own people. And so what does this say about Levi? He's a tax collector. Do you know what his name? His name has roots in the Old Testament. This is a man who grew up in a Jewish community, an Israelite community full of faith deep roots of what God had done, he betrayed his family. We all know that family pain is, man, it just hurts. And we all know what it feels to be hurt by someone in the family. And so Levi chose to betray his family. Imagine if you're his relatives, you're his parents. Hey, how's your son doing? Uh, uh, 
Well, he's, a, he's collecting taxes there at the road. What? This man publicly made, he made, by taking this office here, he publicly declared that he is no longer following the law of Moses. That takes some courage, right? And this man now then begins to collect taxes from his community. They're here, they're in Capernaum. And so he wasn't allowed to participate in any kind of temple worship. He wasn't allowed to participate in the synagogue. Now, this is not a victim. Oh, you know, we always feel bad for the people. They can't participate. Oh, let's start a movement. Let's get them going. This is not that kind of person that needs a movement. This is a man that deliberately chose money over integrity. And he took advantage of this situation and said, man, I can make a lot of money. This is an ambitious person who did not say, you know what, I'm just going to go to another place and try to start my business and create my wealth. He saw an opportunity and said, man, I can create my wealth right here. Yeah, I have to betray my God. I have betray, betray my lineage. I have betray my inheritance, my faith, inheritance of faith. I betray, my, I betray my people, but I can make a lot of money. Some of us have that, that drive, right? It's a God-given drive, but sometimes we can take some shortcuts. Levi had this drive to do something great, but he took some major shortcuts. He just didn't care. Who did he care about? Himself. This is who Jesus chose to follow him. In fact, Jesus himself, in some of his teachings, he uses the term tax collector to show people how sinful they are. (laughs) So Jesus understood tax collectors are sinful. They're greedy. They're cruel. They're desensitized. And also, it wasn't like they, uh, you know, there was some kind of chart to say, oh, today's taxes is this percentage. No, they kind of made up their own. And that's how they made their money. Today is this percentage. And you give a certain percentage to the Romans and you keep the extra because you made up the amount. And so he made a lot of of wealth. Amen? Jesus sees him. We know in context that Jesus had already interacted with him. Levi had already heard Jesus preach many times. Jesus counted the cost with this guy. And what does Jesus say to him? Follow me. You know, really, that's the call that Jesus has for us. Follow me. Sometimes we think the call is, don't do that. Sometimes we think the call, if you, you know, you're going to believe in God, you can't be this. Yeah, some of that is involved in the calling, but the calling, in essence, is follow Jesus. And so Jesus looks at us as weary and burdened, and he's able to take us on. Why? Because he knows who he is. And he says, follow me. I'm not going to sit with you and tell you why you chose to be a tax collector and what you were thinking the night of, whatever. He just said, follow me. As you're living with me, as you're following me, you're going to realize what the light is, what truth is, what family is. 
Are you with me right here? And so he calls Levi to follow him. How did Levi respond in verse 28? He got up, left everything, and followed him. Left everything and followed him. That's a key phrase in the Bible. To follow Jesus, yes, you have to leave everything to follow Him. Not some things, not anything, everything to follow Him. As Levi is sitting there, he himself is counting the cost. You ever notice when someone walks in the room, you don't want to talk to that person, you avoid that person, you owe that person money? I don't know what it is, right? You're just sitting there, you kind of notice that. In the presence of Jesus, everyone either felt really comfortable or really uncomfortable. Two extremes. Levi had to know, here comes Jesus. He he might just start preaching right here. Who knows what he's going to do? He was not expecting what happened. And what happened? Follow me. Uh, uh, He just got up. Left everything. And followed Jesus. He knew what that meant. Now, Jesus is, is popular here, but sometimes he's got really bad popularity, right? So you go from being hated to be a, from being a tax collector to now following the most hated man in the community. Sometimes taking the leap of faith and following Jesus is not very logical, right? Well, I'm not going to get a whole lot out of it. That's the point! You're giving everything to God. You may get nothing. And so he gets up and he follows him. What's the first thing Levi does? He throws a party. Perhaps he's Latin. Verse 29. (laughs) Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. First thing he does, he throws a banquet for Jesus. I just want to honor you. Yeah, I have no more income, but what I have, I'm just going to use it to honor you. And so this man publicly chose a sinful, greedy life. And now he's publicly choosing to follow Jesus. Our faith needs to be public. We did some crazy things before following Jesus. We did some radical things before following Jesus. All for pleasure, for joy, for recognition, for wealth. I don't know. But following Jesus doesn't mean that now you're you're calm, cool, and collected, and you just, you know, you're more wise. No. You got to stay crazy. Because your follower makes some sharp turns and says some wild stuff that actually makes sense. And he's headed to Jerusalem to be killed and raised from the dead. Isn't that amazing? In Matthew 11, I love how Jesus keeps it real. He's like, "Yeah, my burden is my burden is light." It's a burden to follow Jesus. You ever feel burden to follow Jesus? 
Sometimes it's not fun to follow Jesus. It's a burden. But he says, life's a burden. My burden is light. <laughs> Jesus keeps it real. And then, what is, and then Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Well, what's the yoke? That means you're locked. You can't do your own thing anymore. Wow. Well, why does he do that? Because he knows we're weary and burdened. It's all connected. Because we want to be healed from the weariness and the burdenness, but we don't want the commitment of following Jesus no matter what. We feel guilty and empty, but, but sometimes we don't want to give up everything and follow him. Levi, Levi did so. In verse 30, because when you start following Jesus, you get critics. You get persecution. You get people that look you weird. You start feeling a little uncomfortable, right? You ever feel uncomfortable having your Bible at Starbucks? I'm just going to use my phone. <laughs> you just get a little uncomfortable sometimes, right? You ever having a conversation at work or at school and someone brings up God and you're like, please stop talking about God because I don't feel like sharing your, my faith with you right now. Am I the only one that does that? Come on, don't leave me hanging right here. I'm confessing my sins. We all do that, right? Because sometimes it's a burden. Because then you're accountable. You kind of know the answer. You kind of know what to do. And you don't want to get involved because that person's a burden. And so the Pharisees come and they, 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 they're all critical. Right? And they start talking to the disciples. Hey, why are you guys sitting over there? They had to send messengers and say, hey, bring those disciples over here. They would not dare to get close to the tax collector's home. And so from a distance, they were critical. You know, you can't be chosen. You can't follow God if you're distant from God and you're critical to others. They didn't even ask Jesus. They asked the disciples. You know, sometimes it's just a habit to be critical. Is that me, right? I don't know what's going on. And so it's a habit at times to be critical. And these guys were just habitual critics. And they went to Jesus. And I love that. They asked the disciples and somehow Jesus shows up and answers the question. <laughs> and so we get there as we're getting close here to wrap it up. In verse 30. Verse 31. Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. How are you doing this morning? Nobody likes to be sick. In fact, you avoid people that are sick. Someone coughs. <coughs> you get your phone out. It's good to see you today. Hope you feel better. And then you kind of keep an eye on that person. Because nobody likes to be sick. Who does Jesus want on his team? Those that are sick. But sometimes we can see ourselves as healthy when we're sick. So who can be chosen? And perhaps this is the point of our study today. You cannot see your need for Jesus until you're honest about your sin. The Pharisees were not honest about their sin. 
They remained critics, religious critics that talked a lot but had no dialogue with Jesus. They talked about God a lot and what they did but had no dialogue with Jesus. And Jesus says this to them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Jesus admits he's calling us sick right here. But he's saying who, who he is also. I'm the doctor. I don't avoid you. I want you in my team. I know you're burdened. I know you're insecure. I know you're fearful. I know you're materialistic. I know you care too much about what people say about you, and that's why you dress yourself as healthy, but inside you're bitter. I know that, and that's why I want you in my team, because I'm the doctor. But when we don't see, we don't let ourselves see ourselves for who we are before God, we may not find our need for Jesus. Are you with me right here? So who can be chosen? Anybody who's weary and burdened? Who can be chosen? Anyone who knows they're sinful. Anyone who admits they're sinful. And so if you're one of those persons that just constantly battles with what people think about them, you realize what Paul said in Galatians 1.10. Am I not trying to win, please man or God? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of God. You can't be a people pleaser and serve God at the same time. Those are opposites. So if you wrestle with being real, you're in danger of becoming a coward and a critic from a distance in your relationship with God. So Jesus says it's okay. We can be comfortable being burdened. We can be comfortable being sick and weary because Jesus can help us. Isn't that encouraging? That's so encouraging that we, we can feel secure that God will accept us, that God can redeem us, that God can forgive us. But our biggest hurdle is letting go of what others think about us. Verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? And there you have it. He says, follow me, but you follow him to what? To repentance. Repentance. One of the least studied things in, that we have, that we, we, we least study repentance. And yet that was what Jesus called the sinners and the sick to. Repentance. John chapter 1, after 300 years of not having a prophet's God was still working, but he just had no people leading. What is the first thing John the Baptist says? I'm calling you to repentance. Jesus comes on the scene after his baptism, right? What does he say? The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. You think it was by chance Jesus chose that word? No. Paul has revelations from heaven, right? Acts 26. Then he's, he's in prison there, and he's, he's trying to appeal to the king there why, why he's doing what he's doing. And then he says, God told me here to preach his message to this people, this people, this people, and the Gentiles, basically covering the entire world. And he says, and he, taught, he told me to preach repentance and to prove it with their deeds. Is that by chance? No. Part of following God, part of giving up everything is now you gain everything. And repentance is a blessing. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is the power to say no to self, to say no to sin, and to say yes to God, and to be able to follow God. 
because we did some crazy things. And repentance doesn't mean you don't have fun anymore. No, you should repent and do still some crazy things, but for God. Amen? Levi has a name change. This tax collector is giving the name Matthew. He collected money from people to create his wealth. He's in Capernaum. You realize Jesus grew up around there? He probably charged taxes to Jesus' mom and brothers and probably Jesus himself. So Jesus knew him. And he gives him the name Matthew. You know what Matthew means? Matthew means the gift of God. The gift of God. He took a guy that collected taxes to now give him, may call him, you're a gift of God. That's powerful. God has a name for you. He has chosen you. Keep following. Keep giving up everything. Don't hide your burdens and your weaknesses and your sins. Let it be known you're sick so the doctor can heal you. God is good. Matthew went on to write the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, one of the themes is proving how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. This guy had betrayed his inheritance, his legacy, his Jewish roots, is now the author of the Gospel of Matthew that proves that Jesus is the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. This is wild! He thought he was a risk taker sitting in his booth. He thought he was brave. He thought he was going to gain the best chance to be happy by collecting that money. He had no idea. As God calls us and chooses us, we still have no idea what God can do with us. Amen? Love you guys. Know that God has chosen you to follow him and to live a life of repentance. It was great being with you guys. To God be the glory. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.